Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 6, Houston, we have a problem. Welcome back to the show. Today we have a few items to discuss. Before and since the holiday, there have been a few developments that will have an impact on the XFL. In addition, Danny Garcia's recent Instagram post has created some excitement within the XFL community. I will later be joined by Brian Roth to revisit our somewhat premature XFL cities, stadiums, and teams discussion. But first, I will dive into more important developments at hand. I need to apologize, because I'm going to address these items a bit out of order. While doing so, I will not focus on them from the competition's viewpoint. I will only focus on the details that impact the XFL and our fan base. The first item to address. On November 24th, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported the city's lawsuit with the National Football League had reached a settlement worth $790 million. However, the agreement did not include guaranteed future NFL expansion being rewarded to St. Louis. I acknowledge this is unfortunate news for the people of St. Louis. However, this news strengthens reasoning for professional spring football's return to the market and should be encouraging for the XFL and its fans, but more importantly, to Kakao Nation. Second item, former Dallas Renegades general manager and head coach Bob Stoops has been named as Lincoln Riley's replacement and given the title of interim head coach of the University of Oklahoma football program. Since announcing his retirement in 2016, Stoops served as a special assistant to the Sooners athletic director. As a fan of the XFL, I find this development encouraging. By accepting the interim position and assisting the program of bringing the permanent replacement Brent Venables up to speed, I believe it is safe to say that Stoops has removed himself from any consideration of coaching in the USFL. This ultimately leaves the door open for a potential return to the XFL in 2023. I say this because Stoops will be focused on the daily management of the team through December 29th's Alamo Bowl against Oregon. I would assume the USFL is actively negotiating with potential head coaches as we speak. I can't imagine Stoops is focused on anything other than Sooners football and his family during this holiday season. If something were to come to fruition after the new year, I do not see enough time for him to begin preparing a new staff and roster before the USFL's kickoff in April 2022 while serving in this capacity with Oklahoma. The third item, and perhaps the most impactful piece of news, was from XFL chairwoman and owner, Danny Garcia, when she created some buzz with her Instagram's post on December 2nd. The social media post appears to include pictures from the XFL's ownership meeting on October 4th. I say this because Danny says so in her post. Among the three photos posted was one that included mannequins wearing the 2020 XFL uniforms but another with more significant information on a monitor, a timeline for the league's return in 2023. If you look at the pictures and do the math, the timeline is as follows. Player combines begin in 2022 on June 18th. The training camps open on January 8th of 2023, and the season kicks off on February 18th of 2023. Finally, fans have some tangible dates to look forward to. I also view this as evidence that ownership has had a plan all along. These dates were determined before the hiring of the nine executives announced last month. Seeing there is approximately six months till the player combines, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Ross and Doug Wally are already in discussions with potential head coaches. There is little time to sign and announce the ball coaches for each of the teams. After all, these coaches will need to assemble their staffs and determine a style of play before they begin identifying talent at the player combines in June. This would also lead me to believe there will be an announcement of cities and teams in the near future, unless they expect these coaches and staffs to remain tight-lipped until the league gets around to it. The fourth item, on December 6th, new surface of Dan Dykeman's hiring. Cheshire Academy's Twitter account had a post that said, and quote, after helping more than 200 student-athletes go on to play college football and winning more than 50 games in the last 10 years at CA, David has been named the XFL Director of Football Special Projects. Thank you, David, for all that you have done for CA. End quote. Per Stephen Rathook's article on XFL Newsroom, David Dykeman's role of Director of Football Special Projects will likely entail the long-range planning for the organization's facilities and services, as well as implementing solutions and projects. We should be encouraged. Dykeman will be addressing an important piece of the puzzle. He will be securing facilities for the Players' Combine, training facilities, and stadiums. This hire shows the league is doing more than just holding conversation. The league's staffing needs are being taken care of, and significant developments are underway. Looks like things are ramping up, and there will likely be another announcement on the horizon of multiple new appointments. The fifth and last item. I prefer not to discuss other leagues on this show, but on November 22nd, the USFL announces teams that will compete in 2022. Of the eight teams, there will be three that will be in XFL markets from 2020. The announcement will likely have a significant impact on the XFL's return in 2023. One would think league executives will essentially be forced to make some changes to their existing cities and teams. The markets in question are Houston, Texas, New Jersey, and Tampa Bay, Florida. My take? The XFL must act quickly. The executives and ownership need to make it a priority to meet and determine where they will place teams, and they must secure trademarks for the cities and mascots. Once these details have been completed, they will need to beat the USFL to securing venues. For me, it is apparent the Houston Roughnecks and the Tampa Bay Vipers are finished in their respective markets. Both teams must be relocated. Houston should be relocated to San Antonio, Texas, and Tampa Bay should be relocated to Orlando, Florida. Despite the USFL beginning as a made-for-television production in 2022, it seems the league has plans to eventually move their teams back to the cities of their namesake. However, the XFL's concerns do not stop there. The USFL are in the process of securing trademarks for expansion markets and mascots. On November 26, Mark Perry of XFL News Hub reported the USFL has filed the necessary trademark paperwork for the following markets and mascots. The Arizona Outlaws, the Jacksonville Bulls, the LA Express, and the Memphis Showboats. In addition, there's the Blitz, which could be potentially another team or TV show name. This is a lot of information the XFL needs to consider before formulating plans, let alone making concrete decisions, let's say signing contracts with venues. Seeing there's been some new spring football developments, I've invited Brian Roth back to further our conversation from a few episodes ago. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mike. Always a pleasure being on to this show. It appears we were a bit premature to discuss the 2020 XFL stadiums and teams. Who would have known? <laughs> now that the USFL has announced its teams, we need to revisit our discussion. 
As you're aware, the USFL has revived eight teams, and three of them are in XFL markets. The affected markets are Houston, Texas, Tampa, Florida, and New Jersey. But before we get started, we should acknowledge the trademark patents submitted by the USFL for the following markets. Arizona Outlaws, Jacksonville Bulls, the LA Express, and the Memphis Showboats. Brian, the floor is yours. What say you? Well, now sort of see where the USFL stands. Uh, since trying to mark themselves as two spring football leagues, the best they can try to do, is, at least from the XFL standpoint, do not compete directly with the USFL. At least in my opinion, because it's basically two entities competing for one thing, which is spring football. And spring football is notoriously a volatile market. If I were the XFL, seeing where some of these teams are operating, Houston's going to be interesting because we got the Gamblers there. First off, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I had to appreciate that because Jim Kelly played for the Gamblers. Then obviously you got Tampa Bay. And then obviously the New Jersey Generals are operating where the Guardians are. Revisiting our conversation, we were talking about teams moving or potential movements. I would say for at least the teams that are being mentioned right now in the USFL. Um, also, is it actually confirmed they're playing at, you know, individual home arenas in USFL or are they operating out of one location? For 2022, it has been confirmed that they're going to operate in a hub, which is going to be based in Birmingham, Alabama. However, it has been reported that after the 2022 season, that the teams are going to play in their namesake cities. Now, I have learned from an individual around the show's Twitter account that supposedly four of the teams are going to compete in their namesake cities, and that four are going to continue to play in a hub in 2023. Either way, the goal is to move these teams back to their namesake cities. So if that happens to be Houston, that happens to be Tampa Bay, that happens to be New Jersey, there would be that conflict. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Tampa Bay, the Vipers should already be moving to Orlando as it is. Houston's going to be a little bit tricky because, as you mentioned, there is a relationship with the XFL and the University of Houston. When I brought up San Antonio in the prior time I was on, I really think that's a really good market they should explore. Now, if I'm correct, there was also used to be a USFL team in San Antonio. So USFL might also have eyes on that as well. And if I recall correctly, I believe it was the Gunslingers. What a cool name that is. San Antonio Gunslingers. <laughs> to go back to my point, I think no matter what, whatever league we're talking about, USFL or XFL, you have to consider San Antonio. That is a market that's begging for football, that wants a football team. And we've seen and support spring football. Whichever league beats the other to the punch to San Antonio, I think, would be beneficial. And since the XFL already has a team in Dallas and Houston, since I don't see really a team in Dallas, in the USFL, maybe the USFL thinks about San Antonio potentially down the line. The leagues are obviously in an arms race. I'll say there are four things the XFL must make a priority and they need to do it sooner rather than later. First, they must move the Houston Roughnecks to San Antonio, Texas. The league must beat the USFL to the city. If Daryl Johnson's comments during a radio interview are any indication of the USFL's intent, then San Antonio is in their plans. 
The XFL cannot let this happen, period. Second, the league needs to move the Tampa Bay Vipers to Orlando, Florida. This is another prime spring football market, and the XFL can't afford to lose what appears to be an ambitious competitor. We already know they're making moves with patents, and this could be just the beginning to several more in the works. Before I start to interrupt you, but I also have to point out, too, that this USFL is is owned by the guy that has had involvement with the Spring League before. And I've heard some pretty shady stuff about, so who knows how structured the USFL could be for the long term. My understanding is that Fox actually took control of it financially. So the last say or word is going to come from Fox. However, what you're alluding to is I believe the gentleman's name is Brian Woods. That was the head of the Spring Football League. And yes, there are lawsuits from, I believe it's Indianapolis, against the Spring Football League for $1.4 million of outstanding payment for various entities. But yes, Brian Woods is involved in the USFL. I'm not exactly sure to what extent, but he is not anyone that has the final say. It is definitely Fox Sports. Okay. Just to clarify that, I mean, hey, I'm fair. I'm a realist. I'm not trying to peddle anything anyway, you know, against anybody or in favor of anybody. It is what it is. But getting back to my four items. Number three, the New York City metropolitan area is big enough to support both leagues. After all, it supports multiple teams in every sport and league I can think of. And seeing the USFL are playing in the central hub in Birmingham, Alabama, the XFL needs to beat them to the punch and secure Red Bull Arena. It is the best venue for spring football in the market, in my opinion. You and I both know the arena is already home to the New York Red Bulls and Gotham FC. I cannot see them agreeing to allow two football teams use their field during the soccer season. It would be too harsh on the playing surface. The XFL must get this done as soon as possible. My fourth and lastly, the XFL needs to return to Los Angeles, California. And in doing so, they need to secure Bank of California Stadium. It is the best fit and location of all the city stadiums. If the USFL has any inclination of actually reviving the LA Express, they're going to come to the market, leave Carson, California, for them to use, or let them play in that mammoth new stadium that the Rams and the Chargers are playing. Other than that, those are my four. They need to take care of those business items, and they need to do them right away. And the other teams, they can take a little bit of time because it doesn't look like those are under threat by any means. So my four priorities, get them taken care of before you worry about too much or anything else. You don't have venues. You don't start securing the thought that it is an XFL market and no longer a USFL market. It could be problems for the league. You can foresee this being a, a version of what used to be in the uh, 90s, the uh, Monday Night Wars, when uh, WCW and WWE were going at each other with Raw and Nitro. Pretty much the same products are trying to have each other football fans try to gravitate their attention for spring football. That's pretty much what's happening right now. I could foresee that being the case. And I could already see, as you mentioned, that Fox is pretty much throwing their weight behind the USFL, it seems, that. Hopefully, then, in the XFL, then they would take on, say, Disney, ESPN, and so on, and try to use that to their advantage. But 
they got to do what they can to sort of keep up with this arms race. And, you know, at some point, somebody's going to win. The other way to actually look at this is that we already know the XFL has had you know, conversation or talks with the Canadian Football League. They're talking about ways to collaborate and not necessarily merge, even though I think a lot of people believe that's really what it was about because there's a lot of that talk from about the Toronto Organauts about potentially leaving the Canadian Football League for the XFL, that they might have been the catalyst to really kind of be pushing those discussions for something. But if there is that openness from this ownership group, from Danny, Dwayne, and Redbird Capital, there could be a possibility, if not today, if not next year, but in future, of discussions between the XFL and the USFL. I mean, the only few reasons I can see why would be, one, the USFL did just do a north-south and pretty much keep everything on you know, the eastern side of the United States. Yes, they are showing some interest in L.A., but if you still look at Jacksonville, still on the East Coast, Memphis is still fairly East Coast. It just doesn't look like they're really ready to totally jump on the, the western part of the country. That would be one. Two, you know, the reality is the leagues just haven't made it to season two. I That's do a big think, question. right, there's not a knock against the one rushing it again. It didn't work out well for the Alliance of American Football. This is slightly different with the USFL. They are doing a hub. It's to minimize expenses, you know, travel, whether it's for the teams and their entourages, whether it's for, you know, the the network. They can just set up and just leave people in cameras and not have to fly or truck anything. It's very smart. It's one lease of a facility. Or if there are two stadiums, it's only two leases. It's not four and then have to worry about all the added expenditures that go along with that. It's brilliant. They are setting themselves up for a season two. But what I'm trying to allude to is nothing's guaranteed. We're already seeing a new variant with COVID. Who knows what this may or may not look like, let alone 2022 or 2023. There seems to be a new variant once a year now. It's got the world in a panic, not just the United States. That could very well be the hub might be brilliant. It's easy to keep COVID protocols in place. Everyone underneath, you know, one set of rules, one set of eyes. It's like the bubble they had in the NBA and NHL playoffs and also the last we saw. They are, in a way, ahead of the curve. Maybe the XFL holding out to 2023 could also be a blessing if things can kind of get under control. And that might give them the opportunity that when 2024 rolls around, hopefully the pandemic part is removed from the equation. And they could just grow and focus on a legitimate business entity and growing it. There's two different ways of looking at it. Even if they were to operate completely on their own, they're looking at slightly different times in the spring. The XFL is still looking at that February timeframe that we are aware of. And as far as I understand, the USFL is looking at more April. So there will be a little bit later. So maybe the XFL could wrap up and then, the USFL just start in time. I just can't see the same markets working where somebody's going to buy season tickets to say Houston Roughnecks, the Houston Gamblers, and turn around and buy Houston Texans. At the same time. 
we can throw the Texans to the side because they're bad. But still, uh, yes, who's going to buy? So they still attend the games. What happens if the Gamblers and the Roughnecks have games at the same time and the Gamblers are playing or else in Houston while the Roughnecks are still playing University of Houston? That's competing crowds, you know, that's competing uh, everything. Right, the postseason could be a little bit of an overlap. My bigger concern would be these players are playing for the love of the game, but more importantly, they're playing for a pathway back to the NFL. Mm -hmm. I can't see players playing in three leagues if it could work. If you played for the XFL and the season wraps up, maybe latch on to a USFL team and then go from there, get a call from the NFL to come in even for a practice squad. Trying to play all three seasons. I can't see it being physically possible for the player. If anybody does that, I give them all the credit. I hope they're very successful because that's basically zero off season that they're having. Going right from XFL season, as you're mentioning, to a USFL season. That's entire offseason in the NFL, pretty much. And then if you get a call to, say, mini camp or training camp, where's your rest? Before you know it, preseason comes in the NFL. Remove preseason games. Remove postseason games. That would be a 37-game schedule for a player. Which, as far as I'm concerned, in the game of American football, that's... Literally impossible. I cannot see myself playing 37 games of football in one year. I would be shocked. That is rough math. It's about three seasons in one, but if you're playing in college. And I can't see the contracts from the XFL be binding from year to year because the purpose is to allow these players to pursue their dream to make it to the NFL. They understand what they are. They are a development league. They are a pathway for these players. No different for the USFL. Their contracts are probably going to be very similar, that they're not going to be locking somebody in for two, three-year agreements. They're going to give them that pathway to the NFL. What's not to say some player leaving the XFL can't join the USFL? It's just too much. Long-term, I can't see it being feasible. It just something's going to give at some point. Doesn't mean it's going to be the XFL. Doesn't mean it's going to be the USFL. It'd be wise if they come together. But, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We're all <laughs> speculating. We're just kind of talking we're, our own. We're shouting into the ether and hopefully something sticks. Right. Well, Brian, do you have anything else? No, I think we covered a lot. I think this is definitely an interesting development, especially with the new USFL and I'll be quite curious to see how the XFL sees what the USFL is doing and sort of counteracts that and sort of responds. You know, I forgot to mention something. I did put it on the social media platforms that we have officially made you a Let's Talk XFL contributor. So congratulations. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. and I look forward to coming back on the show for future topics. I believe it was fitting to have you in some official capacity, seeing that you have made more than one appearance, but you are not a co-host, at least not for the time being. But thank you. Enjoy a cold one. Oh, don't worry. I got one. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. In addition to getting Brian's opinion on the matter, I posted two polls on Twitter asking the show's listeners about this exact topic. In the first poll, I asked, 
Can the USFL and XFL coexist? The poll receives 112 votes with a slight edge going to yes with 58% and no at 42%. The second poll asked, seeing the USFL announce its eight teams, should the XFL relocate the Houston Roughnecks, New York Guardians, and Tampa Bay Vipers? The poll received 61 votes with the responses of yes at 51%, no at 46%, and unsure at 3%. Among the second poll's comments was an interesting response. Andy Gonzalez from San Antonio, Texas commented, and quote, you may not want to mess with Houston and Tampa for now, but every league has to have a team in the world's largest media market, New York, New Jersey, end quote. Andy also shared some information circulating via the grapevine, end quote, from what I've heard, it's only four teams that are playing in their respective cities in 2023 and the full eight in 2024, end quote. According to Andy's profile, he is the director of Texas Flag Football Association, as well as the administrator of XFL Access on Facebook. Thank you, Andy, for your contributions to the poll and to today's show. I know moving the Roughnecks and the Vipers to alternative cities is a slap in the face to every season ticket holder and fan in Houston and the Tampa Bay area. I do not mean to disrespect any fans. We all care about the XFL and want it to succeed, which is exactly the reason why leagues have been relocating franchises for years. Executives and owners make decisions based on what is best for their business. Therefore, competing in the same market as similar competitive leagues hinders the overall success of the league. If the New York City metropolitan area's population wasn't nearly 24 million, I would be saying the same thing for the New York Guardians. We need to put aside our personal feelings and focus on what is best for the XFL. We have reached the end of the road of another episode. Thank you for taking some of your precious time to tune in and listen to the show. If you could do me a favor before you go about your day, please take a moment to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. Doing so would help the show. I hope you find us on social media and interact with fellow listeners and you never know, your comments might just make it on a future episode. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.